0: Yo, yo, what up y'all? It's your boy Ben Baller, not Ben Humble, and you are listening to another brand new episode of the World Famous Award-winning Behind the Baller podcast. Yo, yo, this is episode 174. I don't call it the episodes like that anymore, but yo, the Korean John Cusack is sick. Your boy got a little bit of a cold flu. I don't know what it is, I'm not feverish. Had the Sore throat, body aches, everything else And, uh, spring break is over We had to, uh Cut my trip Or our, the kid's spring break had to be cut short Um, as I had mentioned before London, I got sick So, uh, as of the day of the show We had, uh Headed to our new campsite Which is fucking beautiful, it was crazy Dunes, like, it looked like we were in the Fucking middle of, like, Saudi Arabia, right And, um Let us start getting really sick from the dust and everything. And uh, Thursday night, we ended up in the emergency room. So we ended up in the ER, fucked us all up, and uh, it stopped the trip. So from there, we had to kind of cut it home. Being uh, at a hospital in an RV, it was a fucking long-ass drive. It was a rough, rough time. Went home to kind of reset and kind of just get shit back together. You know, uh, it's been 16 months since uh, we've had an ER visit and... um, you know, I thank God that it's not every two, three weeks like it used to be or every five weeks. Like, realistically, it was every five weeks we're in, in, in the hospital. And, um, you know, London got sick as fuck. He got it from his cousin. He got kind of sick. London's great-grandmother got sick. She ended up in the ER. So it's just a fucked up situation. And then now, as of, uh, you know, the recording of this podcast since last night, I started getting a sore throat, started feeling fucked up. And, uh, yeah, so that's where we are with this and and um I don't have a lot I can say because I recorded an amazing interview with Jin, the rapper who, uh, and it wasn't just because of the Asian situation going on, but it was something that we could actually discuss in depth. And I fucking love this interview that we we have today. But the uh, the intro for this show today is not gonna be that long. I had heard some people say, oh man, we like when you rock solo dolo. Let's, yep, check it out, man. The Korean John Cusack can't go solo dolo today. I'm gonna need all the help I can. Um, as of the release of this podcast, I will be in oral surgery, need to get a couple things done, I got a cavity, I had cracked one of my veneers, shout out to my man, uh, Dr. Amir Wahab of Unforgettable Smile, um, I'm going out to New York this week, right, so, you know, I got a lot I gotta take care of, but, uh, let's get the show started, right, just wanted to let you guys know what was going on, where my mind was at, uh, before we get started, let me say rest in peace to Earl Simmons, AKA DMX. Um, Brother, you are a remarkable person, a monument, icon, legend. Every possible great adjective, noun that I could ever say about a person, uh, that's you. And I don't even know you, never met you. Um, Your energy was that strong though. And uh, rest in peace, man. My condolences to the whole Rough Riders family, to his wife, to all his children. Fucking crazy. Now, something that's been on my mind um just again uh not too much to be spent on it but the false narratives that went on over the weekend is crazy man the things that people were saying and just the stupid ass shit because the pages didn't know where the comment came from didn't know it came from deal hewley's post of asia and the people that were still continuing after seeing that it was like it was amazing i was like yo y'all you have your own agenda you guys have a personal issue with me, and that's whatever y'all gonna say, you know, we'll get into it in this interview, but dumbass Asians, false-ass narratives, look, man, for you motherfuckers out there that are one-dimensional and haven't done shit in your life and never really accomplished anything, understand this, man, don't ever confuse yourself with what I do, okay? Me and you are nowhere near alike, all right? And this is where I, the cocky side, Ben Baller, comes out, not the Ben humble at all whatsoever, But all the groundwork I've laid for Asian Americans, Asians, period, and everything that I've done so that motherfuckers don't have to be out here working at a fucking liquor store, working at a laundromat, working at a fucking nail salon, all that shit. Stop trying to put us in a box, okay? Because we are progressive. And I was and am progressive and have been. There are so many diverse Asians out there who don't live in these Asian stereotypes. And that's all I'm saying. So all this other bullshit No one ever said I was victimizing Or I was fucking blaming anybody else Or was fucking trying to say that there was fucking Asian hate hypocrisy Or some other bullshit That's not at all You guys are fucking stupid as fuck There's nobody who knows me And who don't know me just people who followed for a while That could ever say they're not proud of being Korean Or pro-Asian It's just dumb Another thing too is someone was trying to say like, "Yo, man, this dude grew up rich. His mom was a denim contractor, and his his dad was a professor." Like, I pause. Like, look, guys, if I grew up rich, I'd be the first person to tell you there's nothing to be embarrassed. Why the fuck would I care? I don't give a fuck. Who would be embarrassed about growing up rich? I'm just curious You know what that word means Really rich Like I barely think I'm there now And I think you guys Have kind of an idea Of where I sit In the world financially Right So And that's to to say Let me not like Get y'all fucked up We weren't My mom was not a millionaire My mom wasn't anywhere that We were you know Middle class Lower middle class Um, Before I was born We were definitely Lower 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 class City terrace You know my mom lived in a garage. It was, But my dad worked at UCLA for 33 years, never made more than 30 grand. Do you guys know what 30 grand was? Even in the 80s, it wasn't shit. And that wasn't even those, it was, it was 20 something. Maybe it was very little during that time. And it never really got better. All right. Thank God he was able to, to try to pay as much as he could to put into a house. And when he sold his house, he had some money. But I'm saying like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Like Beverly Hills High, I went to school there for a year and a half because I played ball. You guys ever watch that show, All American? It's on Netflix, on CW. It's about a football program. Guess where it was? Beverly Hills High School. Yes, Coach Pacinger. It's the same fucking show, All right, That was based upon uh, after my times there when we got even better. But we had a good team. But, you know, most of y'all know I played ball. Like, I don't know where these weirdo-ass Asian people, are like, you guys are fucking stupid as fuck. Especially you don't see, like, how fucking far we've gone. Think I'm going to sit there and say some bullshit? Think I'm going to defend motherfuckers? Say that we didn't steal something if we did and whatever? Like, nah, bro. Call that shit down the line. Anyways, we'll get into that, obviously, on this episode. Um, it was a good weekend, though. I got to see my boy Lenny S of Rock Nation, right? People look at him like, oh, he's a lifetime photographer for Jay-Z. No, bro, he's more than a fucking photographer, bro. He is a Rock Nation executive, okay, man? He is a very... He is upper management. Motherfucker is upper level, upper echelon, the whole nine. Just a very humble guy. Um, By way of a Rockefeller fan, Jay-Z fan, I was able to gift my man Lenny S a beautiful, very expensive VVS quality yellow gold rock chain. It was fucking gorgeous. Um, I'll be posting some pictures soon. But uh, Lenny S, man, love you, bro. Congrats, man. Yes, he was an intern back in 96, um, been around, paid his dues, and killing it, uh, also this weekend, obviously, Saturday Night Live, I told you guys on the last episode, that Cuddy's outfit was going to blow motherfuckers away, I was gonna say dress, I didn't want to give the surprise away, so I was like, yo, cool, people got all these fucking mixed emotions, people were like, yo, why the fuck you trying to emasculate this, man, shut the fuck up, you know what I'm saying, like, I don't give up, it doesn't matter what the fuck I think, like, that's on y'all, you know what I mean, you guys got a problem with him wearing a dress? Look, his tribute was his tribute. Yeah, I got it fucked up. But as far as the grill and as far as the Captain Planet, look, the Captain Planet rings, I can't wait to post them. It's a very difficult thing to capture on, on camera. But if for those of you who know what Captain Planet is, you see the Planeteer rings, like, Cuddy's a motherfucker. He's a creative motherfucker. And that TV pixelation snow, the TV snow grills that I made, those things are fucking crazy. They shine like a motherfucker. Hate that TikTok didn't give it the, the run that it needed. But um, again, Cuddy is one of the very few people who I still call a friend and he could jump the line and get shit made. He sent me up already for like three more chains. I'm like, bro, we got to stop. Like I got too much shit. I do have to get done. But besides Cuddy this weekend, because it was cut short due to my son's unfortunate situation, you know, um, when it comes to work with jewelry, I just, I don't know, maybe not even just jewelry. I just felt really uninspired. And maybe because it was a trip, maybe it's the funk and maybe I snap out of it and wake up tomorrow and feel different. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I just feel in a weird place. Um, Obviously, financially, I'm blessed. Family is here and everything's good. I just, I think I think too far ahead sometimes. And that's when I need to focus on the now. But um, I, I watched some random shit again. I finished that TV show, The Con, on Hulu. And um, it was a great fucking show. I love anything about fucking con artists and seeing them get called out. Even though... Um, it is a coincidence that Carrie Mulligan was the host of Saturday Night Live. She's in this movie called Promising Young Woman. And uh, I wanted to see it regardless. My wife wanted to see it. And I think she's a great actress. This movie did not do it for me. I don't know what the fuck it is. I know she's nominated. This movie did not crack for me. Did not fuck with this movie all whatsoever. Maybe there might be mixed reviews. I couldn't even pay attention to her acting skills because the movie just didn't, didn't. I didn't rock with it at all whatsoever. You know what I mean? So I don't know. But I do uh, gotta get ready for New York. I am packed. I got um a few meetings I gotta take care of, just some random shit and some work before I get out there. Again, if there's anybody else you I should interview while I'm in New York, let me know. My tops card is dropping this week. I think Friday, I believe, or not positive. I will know on the next by the next episode, I will know for sure. By the way, for those of you guys, man, who who remember, I was I liked this video on Instagram where this guy was imitating a Chipotle employee. And how they just fill the breed up with rice and give you like a teaspoon worth of meat. Look, I thought the motherfucker was over-exaggerating being a hater. And I ordered fucking uh, Chipotle through Postmates and that motherfucker came back. I had 85% rice, 10% fucking uh, beans, 5% veggies. And it was like no fucking meat. It was just, it was terrible. It was fucking horrible. And then Chipotle DM'd me. And uh, gave me like 25 free meals. It was fucking crazy. I feel bad for those who, maybe I should give the card away. I don't fucking know. But um, your boy's sick. My throat's fucked up. I have a cough drop in my mouth as we're speaking right now. Uh, I am impressed that the Lakers did whoop the Nets ass. This Kyrie fake positive fucking bullshit. He's trying to be on that fake positive life, this, that, whatever. He's, he's not playing tonight because of some bullshit. I don't fucking know. All I know is Andre Drummond punished fools. Okay. So, you know, looking forward to that The Dodgers, 3-0, swept the Nationals, right? Look, everything else is good What's really good is this interview with MC Jen I need you guys to really tune in and listen to a lot of what he's saying This dude is a very articulate man And, uh, yo, Miles, without further ado, let's jump into this MC Jen interview Uh, Some Lakey Lake, let's get it in Yo, you are tuned in to another episode of Behind the Baller podcast. It is very rare that we get Asian guests on here. I can't think of, I mean, we had Dorothy Wang, which just happened, and this ain't ain't a thing, but like, oh, because of Asian hate and AAPI and shut the fuck up. Look, Dorothy had to come on. She's a friend of mine. We actually talked about getting her on the show quite a while ago, and I can't think of if there has been another Asian person on the show yet, but we do have a legendary Asian person, somebody I'm proud to say I know now, Um, have not formally met him yet, but uh, we have crossed paths digitally and through conversation, through one degree of separation, and uh, listen, ladies and gentlemen, we have my man MC Jin, former Rough Rider member, battle rapper, extraordinaire, all that. Jim, what's good, bro?
1: Ben. Yo, man. It's it's really dope, to. I mean, we had you know conversations prior to me jumping on, on the pod, man. Shout out to the, what do you call them? The uh, BTB, uh, BTB? BTB Army. Gang? <laughs> BTB Army. Yo. <laughs> Shout out to everybody tuned in, man. I ain't even going front. I'm a late bloomer. So I only dived into your pod, like, literally... Yo, the Dorothy Wang episode was my first experience. So <laughs> interestingly enough, you know, uh, as you were just saying, man, you know, there's been a history of, you know, maybe overlapping in the people that we both know. But in terms of us, you know, connecting, yeah, we we haven't. It's you know, some people actually will say to me, "Yo, you've never you've never chopped it up across paths with Ben," you know, and I'm like, "Nah,
0: not yet." But here we are now, man, and it's a, it's a privilege and a pleasure, man. No, I appreciate you. I would guarantee just because obviously you know what i'm saying you had an advantage of being in the limelight uh technically you know no, first um all the work that i put in in the 80s or 90s yes they might not really be seen cuz there wasn't anything but word of mouth then you know what i mean so you know the traditional ways of how anyone would get heard obviously from you know a cd that's on signed a major label uh tv things like that so you know the first time i heard your name was you know Probably late 90s, um, not too late, but late 90s, I remember. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, my very dear friend, Devin Aoki, who's we're super close, she, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I end up, you know, she's shooting the film, and uh, there was no pr- actual real premiere. They just kind of had like screening, but it was screening with like a lot of people, so it was weird. And uh, me, Devin, uh, Eva um, Mendez, um, and like three other people from the movie came out to watch the the fast and Furious joint you know what I'm saying and like yeah so you know you, that was something there too but I actually am curious when's the first time my name ever came across your your path ever me yeah
1: um I would say it's it's definitely before like these last few years so for me I think I was always aware of your your jewelry work right you know so I think at his core right you know ben baller the the jeweler you know a lot of work put in there. But I think before that, I somehow through, interestingly enough, I don't, I can't even say me and Jonas, yo, you know, God bless his soul. Me and Jonas have never had a full-on interaction. We don't know each other personally. I know of him, um, but we've never got to build or connect. But I think through him and kind of just being a diehard LRG head, at some point, i probably seen a picture of you or be, was a way of like, yo, this dude Ben, right? So this is pre-podcast and pre, you know, kind of you building, you know, the brand and, and that large sense, but you was already putting in work. And then I think through there, I also know that, okay, your background is music also. So, but this is like, like you mentioned a moment ago, you know, whether it was 10, 15, 20 years ago, the way we received information isn't as, yo, fingertip accessibility as it is now, right? So I think what I knew was like a vague sense of, yo, he was with this label, he was A&R in there. And just so for, for what it was worth, we never actually crossed paths. So I never got to pick your brain about any of these things, even right. as it pertained to my own journey. So I kind of came in around like 2001, 2002. Even when you referenced the Rough Rider, I mean, not the Rough Rider, but the uh, Fast and the Furious, that dropped in 03, roughly. Yeah, o two, o three. So that was right on the heels of me signing with Double R and... Coming off the 106 thing wild time, man, wild time.
0: I'm gonna tell you in a second how we connect through that, which is even crazier, right? And you're not even gonna, you're not, you're, you're gonna bug out. But um, what I was asking was, so, so crazy thing is, you probably didn't hear about me until about 10 years after I heard of you, right? Not 10, maybe like six, seven. But the thing is, you didn't know I was music. And the part that people don't get is, look, back then, I mean, there really was word of mouth. That's it. And why the fuck would a rapper know? You know, an a especially if he signed, like, you know, it's just, and again, there were some a out there. Like, again, there was a thing called, a magazine called Hits back in the day. And Hits had, like, you know, you could go in there and it was like a LinkedIn, but it was legit. Like, all right, boom, who's head of a r this label? Okay, boom, who's here? And there was only like, what, let's just say for argument's sake, there might have been seven, eight major labels, right? And when I say major, I'm not talking about the distribution, but I'm talking about like, because Universal might have 20 a rs but there's rock, this, this, and this. But when it came to hip hop, there was, you know, not very many. So the fact that I was at priority and then after that aftermath, you know, it was priority. It, yeah, you know, iconic.
1: So, I yo, priority is iconic.
0: Yeah. So, you know, when I did these episodes, I did this episode called um these series called the uh, K-Ton Hustler series, one and two, and I've been promising them three for many, many months now, and I never gave it to them. These are three four hour episodes where I break down everything from mm-hmm. me linking up with Ice-T in 82, me connecting with Dr. Dre, me being this, this, and this. And just, you know, through all those, I had mentioned your name.
1: Ah, there might be one more thing, one more aspect that just crossed my mind. And I heard you mention it even when I listened to the, the previous uh, pod episode with Dorothy. Well, before you we brought Dorothy on, you were talking about, you know, within the context of what's up with this Asian movement and, you know, as it pertains to what's happening lately. And I know we're going to get into that in a moment. But I think I did hear you reference just real briefly that, yo, know, I'm not really sure how it was on the East, right? And in terms of like on the East Coast. So is it safe to say that for the most part, all of your endeavors, I'm saying you probably did venture out to the East Coast for work, but for the most part, you were rooted and based out West in Cali, correct? 10,000%. But I okay. always fucked so with that the makes East sense. as far as music. Got you. The sound, you.
0: you know, I was very the, one of the very few people that accepted the East. Now, you yeah, remember, we had a very... Typical gangster rap Genre here You know Mm -hmm. There was NWA But people couldn't put past the fact that look Ice Cube was spitting Some of the most insane lyrical shit In the 80s That people weren't even fucking ready for And then even the early 90s You know when you're thinking about America's most wanted and things like that You're talking about yo bro On some militant shit Like you couldn't even go Like where I'm talking about It's one thing to spit bars It's another thing to spit a song It's another thing to tell a story Mm -hmm. it's a whole other thing to put all three of those together and make it actually cohesive.
1: Yo, sidebar. Yeah. Sidebar, just on some hip-hop-ish. Yo, if we talking, that was in um, some conversation recently about, yo, hip-hop duos, right? Top hip-hop duos. And only because we we talking about in the essence of West Coast and we talking lyrics and just the full package, yo, I definitely have always felt dog pound. Daz, Corrupt, have never really gotten that... They've gotten flowers, but not that type of flowers.
0: Not the... Well, yo, top, top duos of all time. Duos yo, Daz of, and yeah, Corrupt. Yeah. I mean, yeah. cool. Look, there's a friend of mine now. You're yes. talking about two homies of mine, right? Like, yes. Corrupt has definitely gotten it as much as I've seen all you know, just whatever. But as far as Daz, Daz has not But the thing that crazy that people don't understand about Daz is Daz fucking produced a lot of amazing songs. You know what I mean? Like Gin and Juice right. was partially his like there was Yo, things that me like crazy me and dads have so many funny just moments Like this dude is fucking crazy these dudes are literally wild dudes but anyways um you know corrupt is from philly so technically you know even though just a different type of vibe what i'm getting at is like look when epmd and out there are doing all this shit here and there we have the west coast shit and really if it didn't relate to gang shit some people in la didn't want to fuck with it so if you fuck with you know the far side um, that means you was fucking with you know East Coast rap, even though they from LA, and it was really LA cats. So going on and going forward, in K-Town Hustler* two, I believe, I'm pretty sure it's part two. I did mention I walk in the studio, and uh, 2001 is already out. The album it's '99, and I said, I said, Yo Dre, there's some Asian guy named Jin that's about to sign the record. I was like, Bro, um, I've said this in several interviews. I might even said it on the Breakfast Club, and I said, Hey. Dre, if they sign this motherfucker right here and he goes gold, I was like, "Bro, listen man, sign me. Start <laughs> r- r- look at write write my rhymes, you know what I'm saying? Do do the production, you know, have a cuz I had like my boy yeah. No Man writing shit. I had my boy I had, like I'm dead. I like guys and I, I said this publicly, you know, it's in at least minimum three interviews and also on the on my Legendary oh my K Hustle series. I said, "Dre, sign me. I'm going 2 million. I'm going double platinum off image alone. We going to kill this shit, boom." And the thing is, it was a weird, you're in a competitive space where there just really aren't any Asians existing. And so because we've been in that ecosystem of lack of yellow brothers, yeah, you have this weird thing where, okay, it's either going to go one way or the other. It's not going to be a blend. It's going to be like, fuck that dude. Or it's going to be, yo, man, oh shit. Oh,
1: I see what you mean. Yeah, I see so, what you mean. So it was
0: like, yeah. now again, I don't think it was hate. It was just more like, Fuck this. Let's see who's really good. Because I think if I seen you in person, it'd have been a different vibe. You know what I mean? Now, um, we're going to get into this second. And we're going to get into it because I have these things written down. So let's look. That was a long fucking intro to fucking. We didn't even get a question in. Bro, when did it all begin? Okay. I need to know what year it was, how old you were, what city you were residing in, all that.
1: Yeah. So born and raised in North Miami Beach, Florida, uh, 82. I came into the picture in 82. So a lot of what you're saying, era-wise, it resonates with me up to a certain point. Because I think when you say, yo, you was already 90s, you was out putting in work, I was still a youngin', right? So I think I see what you're saying, but from a more, you know, ground level. Um, When did it kick off for me? I'll say some of the key moments is probably 13, 12, 13. So this is, uh, what, 94, 95. So I'm, I'm watching MTV. I'm watching VH1. I'm listening to, yo, this is in Miami. So I'm listening to Power 96, uh, 99 Jams. When, when Khaled was just carrying, you know, and yeah. I don't mean just carrying crates, but I meant like he was carrying his crates to 99 Jams. So just the thought of We the Best being the global phenomenon was crazy. So me thinking back about my childhood, these are the things I remember seeing. But for me, I would say a pivotal moment is probably going into high school. So, so 16 years old, I knew it. I knew that this was going to be my thing. So it started out really with just like, just, yo, fan. I'm still a fan now. Even if you ask me right now, do you think of yourself as an artist first or a fan first? I'm always going to say I'm a fan first. Um, and I think that's how it started, right? I'm watching LL. I'm, I'm listening to... Uh, you know, it's funny, you, you know, we started kind of talking about the East and West and the influence stylistically, what people rock with or didn't rock with. Maybe because I was born and raised in Miami, it put me in an interesting spot because is Florida on the East? It is. But is it also Whole like very, world, yes. Is it very Southern? It's very Southern, right? So if I were to just kind of like say, yo, this is what my CD booklet looked like in 95, 96, 97, right? I said CD booklet. I'm not even talking about my Spotify playlist. I'm not talking about, you know, my iPod or any, My CD booklet. Let that soak in for all the listeners out there. So my CD booklet had this. It had, of course, all the gems from 97, 98. Yo, it had Life After Death, you know, Ready to Die. It had All Eyes on Me. It had the Pac albums. It had Mobb Deep. It had Wu-Tang. It had 36 Chambers. It had, you know, Chronic. It had Doggy Style. It had all of that. However, it also had two Live Crew. It had JT Money. It had Slip and Slide. It had Trick Daddy. And it had, yo, it had far side. It had, yo, it had bone thugs in harmony. It, it had yeah. do or die. It had crucial conflict. It had, I could
0: go on and on. It's yes. a lot it's a lot like how I grew up, you know. I'll tell and you a funny story. Yeah. I started going to Miami around 95, like heavy, right? Sardana, a chick in Broad County, like 95, 96. Now I'm out there. Jay-Z's just barely freshly signed to priority. Mm-hmm. We're doing a radio show in Jacksonville. And I remember we're going south doing radio shows and obviously the box is in Miami. So we're doing the video box and everything. And we're running the promos. And as soon as we land, we're going right to the hood. And I hear, listen up, y'all. This is it. I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, bro, it's 19th. Bro, that's a song from the late 80s. You know what I mean? From 80, '87." Yeah. I'm like, how the fuck is throw the D like still playing? Like, you got to understand for you, for your age, when two live crew, we Want Some Pussy came out. Like when I heard that song for the first time, like 87, like 88, and you see these dudes wearing Miami Hurricane starter jackets, the Grand Cherokee, you know what I'm saying? Like this was a major moment in Let hip-hop. me point
1: out something real crazy to you, Ben. At the time, it didn't even dawn on me. But obviously now, 20 years removed from me getting my big break and, you know, the, the topic of, yo, what does it mean to be an Asian artist or MC or whatever? But yo, as a kid, even when I soaked up, uh, two live crew probably way earlier than I should have, just like you said. You know, we we was like 13, 14 running around talking about, hey, we want some, right? But check this out. Uh, God bless the dead, too. Um, Fresh Kid Ice. Another iconic, you know, um, individual. Asian, you know, yeah. yeah, Asian. And, you know, and I think it's crazy because as a kid, maybe this is just a reality. Sometimes these elements aren't really... They don't really resonate with us until it gets pointed out to us, right? So I'm just saying, like, as a kid, I love Two our crew as it is. But now that I'm older, I'm like, yo, that's right. Fresh Kid Ice is someone that I definitely would say paved the way in that sense of, like, just letting, the, you know, letting the, the general public see that, yo, it can be this diverse. You know I mean? But the crazy part and,
0: is and- nobody in the world that I know of, no one looked at him as Asian. They thought yes, he might. They, right. thought, they thought yeah. he, it'd be maybe like part of the islands, and people were like, "Yo, the islands is it?" No, I ain't talking about those islands. But well, he was
1: like a Chinese dude,
0: dog. Yeah, yeah, he's Chinese, <laughs> he was- <laughs> bro. I know the whole stories, dog. I remember like my third or fourth album. I'm like, yo, why the fuck is his arm like that? I didn't know that he had gangrene, and they didn't want to chop the arm off, so he just kept the thing. You know, rest in peace. Crit- Look, I've always been a fan. You have to understand how deep my shit goes. I have all the Mister Mix mixes, all that shit. You know, what I'm saying they're DJ mega mixes and everything, right? And so when I think of Tula Crew and I think of Dade County and I think of everything back then, I had a, a history, right, of going over there. So hearing that music kind of bugged me. I'm like, what the fuck? Then going, how can I do You ever cross
1: paths with Trick Daddy? Like this is, now I'm flipping. I don't know how often people ask you questions when they come on your joint. No, no, but I, I'm just. You. I'm always curious. You ever, like, do you have any Trick Daddy tales, yo?
0: So this is the crazy part. I don't have any history with a lot of Miami people. The only person, obviously, I do have one with is with Luke because he did music for yeah. Friday soundtrack. He was, you know, had like I think we had a group signed a priority that, that was his, and he was just a legend in Miami. As far as anybody Still else, is. yeah, there was just really not much, right? So I always forget that you was from Miami, right? Another thing that I want to get because we're gonna get into other shit that's gonna because if we go now, then I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and forth, and I want to I want to go, yeah, nah, we'll go. We'll forward.
1: stay in this. We'll stay in this space. Yeah,
0: you're in ABC, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Have you been back to China like a lot or have you just kind of?
1: Yeah. Yo, there's a direct correlation between your question and then kind of the original question of when did it all start? So my family's from Hong Kong. um, So they came to the States uh, probably like between my mom and my pops. So late 70s to early 80s. My pops a little earlier. So when my pops came, he actually came at like 14 or 15. So he came with his mom and dad, my grandma, grandpa. They landed in New York. So truth be told, there's this weird kind of like, I myself was not born and raised in New York. However, the lineage does kind of go, go in that direction, right? So my pops basically spent his adolescence in New York. And, and once again, to put it in context, he came to New York, yo, at a whole different era of New York, right? So mid 70s, uh, early 80s type, uh, late 70s type New York. And, and even if you talk about just with, within the confines of Chinatown, It was a whole different world. Oh, yeah. But um, later on, my mom's came. And then, you know, she came when she was a little older, but they got married in the States. They got married here. And then the crazy thing is my pops didn't even tell me this story until I was a lot older. Is that, yo, one of the main reasons they moved to Miami when they knew that I was going to be born was just because my pops was very conscious of the fact that if I kind of came into the picture in New York and I grew up there... You know, not to say, you know, things wouldn't have turned out good, but he was very aware that he's got to be outside of that environment. And then that taps into his his personal history and journey, too, which I'm not even going to go into because, you know, that's more for him to share. But he was just like, we went down to Miami because I knew that, yo, that era and that time of New York, it just would have been an extra uh, uh, not a burden But an extra thing obstacle. He would have to kind of no. Yeah for him to think about Yo my son is out here In, in this environment
0: So and he knows, went down to Miami That's crazy and Yeah Yeah Because as a father of me now I think about my kids now They're
1: Absolutely. born now It's different
0: Now again is No like Pat on my back or anything But I didn't want to have kids And I said this Until I had a certain amount of M's In my bank account And that just was Really late in life And you know I was ready to have kids At around 35 Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have kids at 22. This now, blah blah, whatever. Um, how I had. Uh, did you? How old were you? Were you when you had your first one? 39. Okay, 39 and a half. Actually, shit, I was almost 40. So the crazy part is my wife is 11 years younger than me. So like, what had happened was, I remember getting a girl pregnant when I was like, this is like 21, 22, and I was like, fuck, I'm barely, I'm not even finished college yet. You know, I'm like, damn. And I think about that a lot because, I mean, bro. Kid would be 26 right now, you know what I'm saying? Be a grown ass boy, whatever it may be. So I think about it and I think about my son now. And I'm like, all right, look, they got friends about weird situations that are going on. They're experiencing some crazy shit. You know, at the end of the day, though, I can move to the Bay. There's a certain environment that comes in Hollywood, whether you're in private school or not. I just don't want them to be around Coke. I want them, they're going to be around it regardless, but I'm saying, like, if I can at least, you know, not necessarily delay it, it's just, but the fact that, like, look, in San Francisco, because, you know, I went to school a lot. I went. I got kicked out of school in every, I, I got kicked out of every school in LA. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? There's 10,000 schools in LA, I got kicked out of everywhere. So, when you're in the Bay, it's definitely a different vibe. It really is, truly different. It's, it's NorCal and Bay Area is, is a different state. So, you know, I just think about that. So, when your dad said that shit, when well, you said that about your dad, it just, it hit different because I think oh,
1: yeah. about it. Oh, yeah. Now, I feel you. Cause I'm a father, yo, in that same token you talk about now that I'm a father myself. So I have my, we have two boys. We had our first one when I was 30. So it's always easy for me to do the math. If I'm like, I, you know, I'm 38, you know, okay. He's eight now. Right. Uh, then we had our second one uh, about two years ago. So the second one just turned two. But to, to circle back to that question you asked about, had I ever been out to Asia or China and what? just the general that vicinity. So as a kid, I did make trips back to Hong Kong because I had my maternal grandparents from my mom's side that had been out there like ever since, right? So they never immigrated over to America. Not until way later. So not until like probably like late 90s. But as a kid, I would go back there for a certain summertime. So I experienced it like that. But more importantly, and this ties into the the ABC question because I I love talking about that. I've always just felt like, not even to my own credit, but for some reason, just a a God kind of instilled innate nature where I just have always been like, yo, yeah, I'm born and raised here, but yo, I'm very, uh, I gravitate towards my own culture just at a young age, you know? So um, throughout my childhood, aside from these isolated trips back to Hong Kong, the biggest blessing I feel like I got within my household was just my mom and pops. They let me experience our culture at home. And what I mean by that is like, it's really mundane stuff, right? Starting with something as simple as just at the crib, we only spoke Cantonese, right? But this is what I mean. Now, as a kid, I don't think I ever looked at it as like, why we got to speak Cantonese at home? On the contrary, I look back now, I mean, as a grown ass man, and I'm like, praise the Lord that that was the environment because I can speak it. I I can convey my thoughts. I can have a full on conversation and understand it. And then at some point, this ties into the music side, too. It wasn't to later on in my my artistic endeavors, but I started rapping in Cantonese, which is something that, yo, I Didn't never would have fathomed. I never would have fathomed. So I dropped my first um Cantonese album in like 08. So this is like already a year or two removed from from the Rough Rider uh, era, right? Because right. there's a period between 06 and 07 where, yo, you know, I, I love sharing this with you and and your, you know, behind the baller army uh, because... You know, I don't know who can take what, what they can take from it, but there was a period, yo, where I, I was really in a dark place, you know, in terms of, it is, is it rooted in because of some of the, the pitfalls of the music industry yeah, 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 and yeah, career? Yeah, sure. Absolutely, it was. Taste the, the success, beauty, though success
0: and going, yeah, to a different place.
1: Yes, and kind of, you know, in hindsight, did, you know, if we use these terms like overnight success, if you ask me, do I feel I was an overnight success? Yes and no. Yes in the sense of, yeah, I think because of the Freestyle Friday thing, that put me on a platform that I had never been prior to that, right? In terms of scale. Not to mention that not only did I win it and, and you know, do the Hall of Fame or whatever that means, but I also capped it off with this announcement that, by the way, I'm also here to announce that I've signed with the double Law, right? So tying it all back into that that side of things. But I also know it wasn't overnight in the sense of, I told you, at 16— I was already so embedded in my mind that this is what... So I did the, the demo tapes, the packages. I probably sent 10 packages to unsigned hype pri- prior to anything. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, did maybe it got lost. Maybe From they, they
0: misplaced the package, you know? <laughs> Shout out to unsigned hype. You know about unsigned, Come on, dog. I, Come on, I, man. I, You know what I mean? So From a professional po- view, point of view, I'll be honest with you, I never thought of you as like an open. I don't think it would... Because you came... Regardless you came out of nowhere, even in my eyes... I did enough research to be like, all right, no, this dude's been battling. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't boom because yeah, you know yeah. you're gonna be like, all right, so when's this bag of tricks gonna run out? Do you know what I'm trying to say to you? Good if point. it keeps Good continuing, yeah. then yeah. there ain't no overnight. Now, going back, I've always been very fond of the A52. Okay, I've always been both Kowloon side, Hong Kong side, both sides. East I'm TST, sure you've been out you know, mad times. Yeah. Time. Oh, bro, yeah. I used to date a, a supermodel in fucking Hong Kong, right? So like, I hey. go out there quite a bit. and hey. There was a girl back in like. 2000 maybe she was a pop singer named Coco Lee as I don't I don't remember her name I'm not sure is
1: that- uh, yeah there is and she's still yo oh, still, she's still you know she she's around and she's actually you know be given her many years in the industry she's kind of like a, a highly revered and and you know kind of well, yeah revered artist in, yeah, yeah
0: I'm in Kowloon uh-huh I see a big ass billboard I like, who the fuck is this right and then I heard her <laughs> speak in English I was like oh shit hold on she speak okay so I get it and then that's when like that actually kind of started when the ABC stings started. Kind of, I've
1: heard it before. Uh, it? I,
0: I didn't really didn't really come back that way. Now another thing too is because I frequent Hong Kong so much, you know, I want you guys, I want the people to understand the listeners out there, especially for those I have some friends who are deep, deep Bruce Lee era alive. You know, what I'm saying eight five two people here and there, and Damn, they're like, yo, listen, dope. understand this, man. Cantonese is a dying language, and it's been for a minute. Like people say like, yo, it ain't like that because. If you think of Chinese, you're gonna see people talking Mandarin. You know what I'm saying? When they talk Mandarin, even when you're speaking in Shanghai, the Shanghainese is a dialect, but it's still Mandarin. go, You know, anything about.
1: Talk that dialect talk, Ben. Talk that dialect talk. Yes. And
0: me being so much in China, you know, people, uh, I think I've talked about this never to you before, but you know, when I tried to attempt to go pro in basketball, I was in Beijing. I got real sick. I said, fuck this. I'm not stacked. This is fuck this place. You know, Beijing has gone a long way since the early 90s. So um, this is before my professional music career jumped off And so going on and going forward When I hear people talk And be like okay When you hear people speak speaking Cantonese it sound like they're fighting Sound like they're mad and everything right And you hear Mandarin it's a little softer And you think about it I have my boy come with me He's probably 52 uh-huh. And his dad passed away not that long ago And I remember he was talking in the cab You know in the taxis in Hong Kong They're all the same right And you get in a taxi And the guy's like Motherfucker you ain't from here and he's like, man, ain't that a bitch? Because I was born and raised here. I lived here until I was 19 years old. And he could still tell. Because that Canton, you know, that, that Hong Kong dialect. Oh, yeah. You know, it's yeah. a different level. So, well, you know. Yeah. Nah.
1: I mean, yo, I have personal, you know, I have I have personal, you know, resonates with me in a super way when you talk about that aspect. Because... Yo, not coincidentally, I'm sure, at all. The name of my first Cantonese album, it was called ABC. Like, I pretty much... <laughs> I went straight oh, for the shit. juggler. I didn't and know it, Yo, and for, for nothing... I mean, I'll send you the link, but not for nothing, it was a conceptual record in the sense that the whole project from track one to ten is me kind of diving into these different aspects of what it meant to be ABC, right? And, you know, there is a... Um, how do you put it? Not to say that is, you know, I don't want to make it deeper than it is, but yo, I touch on topics where there is like this idea of internal discrimination, right? Because once upon a time, I mean, it's, it's slowly shifting here and there, but for the most part, it might still exist somewhere in different places and spaces where it's like, when I go back to Hong Kong, there might be an eye of, yo, you're not really one of us. Does yeah, that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah. And on. because they, you know, I, and it's altered a bit, but like, for example, when I first landed out there, uh, my album came out in 08 and, and that was the specific thing that brought me out there. So to answer your question of like, yo, have you been out there or like, what's your, where do you fit into the equation out there? So it wasn't until like 08 when I dropped this Cantonese album uh, and Universal. So Universal, specifically of Hong Kong, they said, hey, we'll fly you out here. We'll set up all of the, the traditional promo run stuff, radio, print, TV, and you know, let's give it a, a push. So at the time, like I mentioned, this is like a year or two removed from the Rough Rider thing already, and I was—I di- always say this because I think it's a critical thing to point out. I was this close to going over to be it Home Depot or Bed Bath and Beyond and being like, "Yo, y'all hiring?" So I only say that to kind of really show how deep it was, and I don't mean that as a as a shot at people that worked there. No, I'm like just I'm just, just saying, I'm like you know what I mean. I just got to a point where I was like. Yo, if it comes down to it and I have to do what I have to do to keep my head above water, so be it, right? But then before I was able to submit those, you know, those job applications or whatnot, this opportunity comes around. So I go out there and I'm thinking it's going to be like three, four months. I bought a one-way ticket and um, it just ended up spiraling in a good way to where six months became a year, a year became two. And I ended up staying out there for about four years, more or less, uh, until our first son was born. So my, my oldest is And I, When that's he was born, thought, bro, you know that's what? why I came back. That's I, why I was, came. I was back. going yeah. back
0: and forth to Hong Kong a little bit, and I had heard the folklore around your name out there. So I figured, you know, you was out there chilling. And and yeah. the crazy part is, um, you know, this is way before the fucking Higher Brothers and all that shit in the fucking uh, Oh yeah yeah yeah. This is yeah yeah. Uh, Higher Brothers. What's which which brand's label called again? 88 um, rising, that's right, 88, yeah, yeah. 88, yes, 88. Yeah. So, this, so, yeah, this is definitely a, a decade or era before that, you know, know for so, sure. but, so, yeah. Look, we're going to go way to this left, so let's try to stay on course. Bro, how did the Rough Riders deal happen, bro?
1: So that, there's a dope backstory that I don't think I've ever really got to share, and honestly, it's been in these last three, four days. I mean, I don't know when we'll listen to this, or how, I don't know how you're going to chop it up, but at least between me and you right now, in real time as we're speaking— You know, we're only like a day or two removed from the news of X uh, or maybe like a week removed from him going to the hospital. But for sure, I'm still in that space of processing his passing and then simultaneously just reflecting on what he himself as an artist and as a figure. And then, the you know, he is symbolic to Rough Riders, right? They're one in the same, right? X is Rough Riders. Rough Riders is X. And I'm pretty sure nobody on the label, past, present, or future, will refute that, right? So to answer your question, I mean, the backstory is I grew up the ultimate Double R fanboy, right? So in Miami, as I mentioned before, yo, when it's dark and hell is hot dropped, I went straight to Specs. Yo, God bless Specs, the CD store. I went to Specs to buy the album and then when uh the Survival of the Illest Tour. Crazy. The Def Jam all-star lineup. You had X, you had Onyx, you had LL, you had, yo, just the whole spectrum. Um, I went to that and I'm like 16 or 17 at this time. I went to the, and then later on, as I got a little older, I went to the Hard Knock Life tour. I went to the Rough Rider Cash Money tour. The point I'm making is in some sense, in my mind, I probably was a Rough Rider. In my own mind, I was a Rough Rider before I was a Rough Rider, you know? Right. in terms of how it actually came to fruition, it was during the Freestyle Friday run, I would say probably halfway mark. So while well, around week three or four, the talks were already there. So at that time, there were a few labels, right? Like definitely a lot of like smaller mom and pops and indies and just, yo, just managers from out the woodworks reaching out. Yo, Jim, we want to rep you. We want to sign you. This is what we could do. This is what... But lo and behold, I don't think there was anything ever to consider once we knew that Rough Riders was knocking on the door. So basically what happened was I think we dried the ink maybe like a, a, the week before my seventh battle. And they were so, you know, kind of committed to it that they were like, hey, listen, you're going to win this seventh week. And after you win it you should just announce, you know, you pull out your R chain on stage and just let the world know, you know? So kudos to D, Y, and just the whole camp did for kind of committing so heavily to that, you know? Right. And the tale of it, right, is, of course, 20 years later, you know, because next year, 2022, will be 20 years since that moment. You know, I, I dropped my Rough Rider debut in 04. So that's hitting 20 years soon uh, as well. But that album, man, like, I myself, I feel like I've went through a roller coaster of emotions in regards to how I feel about that album. Uh, and ultimately, like any roller coaster, you come back to the starting point and you're like, yo, as shitty as some parts of that ride might have been, overall, yo, it was a dope ride. You know what I mean? And not only that, but just like a roller coaster, all you're really hoping is that you come back to that, the starting point, and the bar comes off your lap and you're able to get out and your legs are still under you and you're not throwing up. And that metaphor to me I literally just That's the first time I've ever described it like that But to me the beauty is that For however people Want to dissect my career And I've seen and heard it Dissected in a billion ways I've dissected it A billion ways myself But the thing I'm most grateful for Honestly Ben Is just I have my peace of mind I got my wife I got my boys And I also arrived at a point Where I had to tell myself Are you sure Jin That these are not just things That you say to yourself To console yourself And I'll tell you Absolutely not. You know what I mean? I got, and when I look back on it and I think about just being that 16-year-old kid running around Miami, battling everybody, you know, working at my mom and pop's takeout restaurant, because that was kind of the world, that was my universe, the takeout restaurant, you know? As early as seven, eight years old, my mom and pop's already was in that that field, all the way up until um, I graduated high school. And the reason we left Miami is actually because the business wasn't doing that well. So, you know, we closed the shop. And then 9-11 happened, and my mom and pop said, hey, we're moving to New York to be closer to grandma and grandpa. At that point, I was already 19. So they were like, you could stay in Miami or you could come with us. And I was like, why would I not come with y'all, you know, to New York, the Mecca, right? And I'm like, if this music thing is going to go any further, I've, I've pushed uh, it as far as I possibly could in yeah, Miami. Yeah, 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 for sure. So all in all, man, I say all of that just to say... It's been a wild ride. And, you know, the in terms of as it pertains to Rough Riders, undeniably, even though my stint with them kind of did come to an end, I'll say two things. Number one, there was a narrative to the general public. I think only because it just, it's more juicy and tantalizing, right? Just the idea that, yo, y'all heard Jin got dropped from double R? Oh, dang, it didn't work out that well, man. Like, man, we thought he was gonna be the truth. So what I had to deal with at, at a certain point was that. That was out there as the narrative. Right. And I knew, though, that it was a little bit more nuanced than that. Because I'll always remember and I'll always be grateful for this very specific conversation that I had with DNY. Um, This is like a year or two after my album dropped. Because the thing is, my album came out in 04. I didn't formally part ways with the R until
0: 06. So I was with them for another year or two. I mean, um, regardless, bro, look, man, just yeah. the fact that Double R was that progressive back then... They you know what I'm were. saying? To do that? Because you gotta think, look, yeah, man. super.
1: They, they committed all the way. You know, I think it was just, you know, once again, I say these things having to make sure that it's coming from a place of I really believe it, and I do. I just think it was uncharted territory for a lot of people. So I feel like for myself, it was uncharted territory, and even for DNY, you know, and, and, and for the collective over there. And DNY, so, look
0: at man, legendary dudes. Both of them Legend, man, crazy legend. love. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever ride bikes? Yo, that might have been my one misstep. I never said, yo, let me jump on one of these
1: bikes. Yo, my double law career might have skyrocketed. All it took was me to get on one CVR. So you something. know what's crazy? Or, uh, yeah.
0: This is where it intersects now. Yeah. I was a stuntman for the movie Biker Boys.
1: Yo, that's crazy. So guess who
0: the head, head stunt guy was?
1: Who, on that movie? Who, you?
0: No, dog. I'm talking about the main number one. Come on, bro. I was okay. You know what I'm saying I talk so like you're I saying nice someone on.
1: Wait Someone from Double Audit Bro
0: Someone from the bike side Bro Wink 1100 Was Yo. the main stunt dude Right now Understand this For those of you who don't know I ain't gonna get into Whatever drama That ever was Between Wink and DMY And everything Because technically yeah. There yeah. are allegedly out there That Wink was You know the rough rider Boom or whatever I don't care about None of that shit Wink is an amazing dude That's my fucking guy He is a fucking legend One of the greatest Motherfuckers I've ever seen On a motorcycle In my entire life he has so much love for me And You know I had connected with the Rough Rider Cats Back then from that Then Rough Riders Obviously started The LA chapter Like in early 2000s Shot Rough Riders And we shot uh, Biker Boys 2001 Did you ever
1: cross paths With Cookie?
0: Cross, cross you know paths Cookie? with Cookie? Yeah Cross paths okay. with Cookie Yeah There was um, Just so many people From Rough Riders That come in Bro I was, in, I was we were in a rival club We had all love With Rough Riders It was just something I couldn't put that R patch on me Because I had affiliation with different record labels. just wasn't... And again, it was all love. I was a big DJ, bro. Bumping Eve, bumping DMX, bumping locks. You know what I'm saying? The war locks. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I was just curious if you knew anything about that bike shit. Um, Question, man. Did you ever have a relationship with DMX at all? Any funny stories, anything?
1: So, I think the... um, What I've been... What is it? I've been dwelling on in the last several days as I'm processing this with the rest of the world is that Maybe it wasn't meant to be for me to really build with X like that. So basically, from the time that I signed on the dotted line and became a quote-unquote rough rider, right? And I'm in the fold to all the way that I parted ways with them. During that more or less four-year duration, I probably crossed paths with X a total of 10 times, if even, right? So in a four-year span, it was 10 times. And I can kind of like envision what those circumstances are. Video shoots, right? So I remember one that always sticks out to my mind is the video shoot for, uh, get it on the floor. Get it, get it on the floor. I believe he shot that in like somewhere in the DC, Maryland area. And that one sticks out to me because, yo, it's a DMX video, right? So, and and I'm getting the call from the, because this was part of the, the double R culture. And and just, it's it's part of the way the, you know, you almost don't even want to refer to it as a label because it's so much more than that, right? But from from that standpoint, it's like, yo, X is shooting a video. Anybody and everybody that can physically make it there, we go in there. So I think, yo, even at that on that note, d was like, yo, we got to get Jin there, We got to get Jin in. We got to get him in it. Because at that time, I was just coming into the fold. So it was like, let's get Jin every look that we could get him. So between the getting on the floor video, yo, these are just some of my random music video stories. Yo, the Styles P, uh, I get high, I get high. Yo, that shot joint. Shot boy right? Alchemist. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then uh, Eve's joint with Alicia Keys. I just want to love you. That joint. That joint was shot in Cali too. So anyway, so at this DMX video shoot, I mean, if you're like, yo, what, was there like a tail? I do remember one thing is that it wasn't long. It wasn't in depth. But he did congratulate me, and yo, point like meaning he congratulated that yo, I, I've arrived where I've arrived, right, right like right. like there was there was a formal yo know, congratulations, you know, like so I don't know to what extent did he follow my journey leading up to that, like you know, even if he didn't watch any of the freestyle Friday battles, you know, maybe someone on the side might have told him, yo, this is." Even if it was something as simple as Yo, that's the Chinese kid that DNY and them just signed. Because here's a little bit of context, and a lot of the I'm sure that hip hop heads listening will know this too. But there was a period of time where double law, um, in terms of folks like the X's and and Swiss and the Locks, everybody was kind of branching out. If y'all remember, right? Yeah. To build their own, to build their own thing. Bro, Swiss was in a, Yeah, Swiss had um his label, uh, Full Surface. So Swiss had Full Surface, right? X had Bloodline. Uh, the lock started D-block, and that to me was kind of what I came into. So I came in at a time where that once upon a time Rough Riders, they kind of were evolving out of that. So not to say at its core it wasn't still there, but it definitely wasn't the Rada Die Volume 1 Rough Riders, right? Right, 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 you You know, where literally you'll see every single iconic figure together at the VMAs, at the, the AMAs, at everything, right? So- It was cool, man. I think in the handful of times that I got to be in the presence of X, man, I'll just say this, the aura and the persona that you get when you watch a video or an interview of his. And so many people have gotten to cross paths with X in a physical form. Every single one of them, I'll bet the house will say that his intensity and his aura is only amplified by like a gajillion watts when you're physically in his presence. So man, God bless him, man, and and I think the only one comforting thing for me, and I think maybe some others might feel this way, is that he's not in pain anymore, man. You know, no, he's I'm not in talk. pain physically, real mentally, spiritually. It's just sad, it's such a young person, so, you
0: know. It's still, regardless of seeing gray hair, as people just be like, you know, it's just a, whatever was going 50 on. Fifty is young,
1: man. Yeah, fifty is young. young,
0: bro. I'm knocking on the door a year and a half from now in fifty. So, you know, I said in my in the last episode, I said I've never met X, which is crazy because I've been in so many different places. You know, I've known Swiss forever and whatever, and I know other people, but you know, everyone did say that. You could definitely co sign what I'm saying that his presence was very powerful. Um, As a rapper right now, in a dream come true sequence, who was one person that you would want to have a song at your best, dead or alive? What artist would it be?
1: that I would have a song with? Yeah.
0: And I can only pick one? I mean, just off the top of your head, yeah.
1: Off, okay, so it's funny. Yo, off the top of my head, you know, like literally as you were completing the sentence, yo, Nas popped into my head immediately. Yeah. But as, as I processed it a bit more, LL also came in. Really? So both of these, okay. yeah. So yeah.
0: let me tell you something real quick. A lot of people don't know this, right? Obviously, LL owns um, Rock the Bells, you know, the, uh, and it was obviously it was old school channel. Understand growing up, now, you were born in 82, you said? Yes, sir. Okay, so remember, dog, I was born in 73, so I'm nine years older than you, right? So think, bro, when LL first dropped radio, bro, that was like 85. Like, do you know, like, what that motherfucker, like, hit, how hard he was spitting like, New York gangster rap, you know what I mean? Without saying gangster, it was just crazy. And just, I remember meeting Todd so many different times, right? We met in different professional arenas, sitting, meeting him on a movie set of Deliver Us From Eva, sitting, meeting him at Summer Jam, sitting and meeting him in a studio, like, bro, I've seen, and then how about seeing many years later at his daughter's Sweet 16, aSI Rocky's performing there, so, like, you hired him, like, these crazy things, seeing this dude at Summer Jam Circus 96, and him performing an hour and a half in the hottest fucking, le- in a full leather outfit, and I'm like, bro, do you know how kind of hits this motherfucker has, so it's just crazy, that's dope that, uh, that, yo, uh, let me say
1: there. this. I'm throwing this. Yo, this may or may not make the cut for the podcast, but yo, everybody's like, yo, I need a Ben Baller chain. I need a Ben Baller chain. And I know you're selective anyways with who you work with. But yo, for me, so my, I'm I'm 39 this year. So next year, 2022 will be the big 4-0 for me. If by any chance, you're like, man, what could I even possibly get Jin? or yo, what's up? <laughs> yo, an <laughs> LL joint? Yo, he, yo, yo, he don't even need to spit anything on it. Even if at the top he goes, "Yo, y'all tuning into my man MC Jin." Yo, Jin, Tokyo talk, talk. That's all <laughs> I. did. <laughs> I know I could probably get that on cameo for five thousand dollars. I don't know if LL has a cameo or not. But anyways, yo, I'm just planting a seed. Right, there's still we're still yeah. a whole year man, change less. out from my from my fortieth. Right, yo, I'm uh, sure we can figure joint, something. Uh, LL joint would be yo because to me. Um, Mama Said Knock You Out, I think can be the exact song that I pinpoint in terms of when was MC Jin born. So not, yo, Jin Al Young, right? That's my government. So not Jin Al Young. Jin Al Young was born in 82. MC Jin was born when he heard Mama Said Knock You Out. 91. So yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So, okay, let's get into the real shit now, right? It took this long to get into it. Bro, What and listen, for those of you don't know, all the conversations I had with Jen, this guy is like, Good morning, how you doing, sir? Good afternoon. Listen, I don't want none of that shit. I will come, I will fucking fly to Miami and fucking fuck you up. Stop with the PC, politically correct, super nice, positive. I'm sick right, of that shit, go. bro. Let's go. What are come your on. true thoughts about this Asian hate situation? Some people think that, and I hate the false narratives being thrown on me, like, oh, Ben saying that uh it's hypocrisy and you know there's they're um now victimizing. No, no, bro. I didn't, never said none of that shit. Fuck what you insinuated, thought, whatever. I've said before, I'm responsible for what I say. I'm not responsible for what you understand. And I had to kind of break it down. I think you did tell me, you listened to the intro of my last podcast. And I did, And it, that was a good intro. That was a, a, where a lot of people were like, damn, motherfucker. You know, Eddie Huang hit me up, China Mac and all. I'm like, oh shit, okay. What are your true thoughts about this Asian hate situation, bro?
1: I'll go a few weeks further back. Uh, and this kind of, it all ties in. Because this is, yo, in, in a kind of, you know, not coincidental way this is actually how we engage in our first conversation. Like 100%. our literal me and you first conversation, right? percent So a few weeks back, there was this one town hall meeting, uh, like a virtual town hall meeting on Clubhouse, right? And it was this, probably one of the initial bigger ones. Like, honestly, since that one, there's been a lot more to spawn off and different movements. And So this is even before like the quote-unquote stop Asian hate movement, right? The hashtag or whatever, right? So during that town hall, I remember feeling a couple of things. Number one, there was an empowering aspect to it because I was like, yo, I've never seen this. And, And unfortunately, it is because, yo, things have gotten to a sense of out of control and urgency to where, yo, maybe this is what it took. It took like, yo, people get like old men, old women. This is even before the Atlanta tragedy, actually. So it took like these, you know, kind of uptick in cases where we're seeing, yo, you know what I saw someone, I forgot who said the quote, it said, uh, race a oh, Will Smith quote, racism uh, did- wasn't just born, it just started getting captured yeah, yeah, on camera. Yeah, 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 Right, I- so I've that quote. That. So we talking about these attacks, these attacks are not new, but I think in terms of like us seeing them more and you know, the way the internet is showing us and people uploading it, that's a, a factor. But the point is, how this ties into your question to me and you, I remember in there, either you tapped in at one point or you were just listening or something, but me and you ended up having a side conversation outside of that town hall. And I think the sentiment, even at that point, that you were conveying to me, and it sit with me since that first time we talked about it, is, yo, this is all great, but this ain't gonna change, yo, for lack of better words, this ain't gonna change shit. And this isn't, this. we need more than this right now, right? Uh, and once again, this is like weeks back, And yo, I had to process it because as I was listening to you, you know, part of me was like, yo, but these people are just, you know, they trying to make an effort too. And when I say these people, I'm just talking about the whole room, right? Because you had everyone from the Daniel Day Kims to Lisa Lings and uh, Daniel Wu and just various people from across the board, right? So as I was listening to you, honestly, I could feel how, how convicted you are about where you stood. You know, I'll say post that conversation, we've had a few more. And then also more events have unfolded. And I got to say, man, the initial sentiment that you said to me, it definitely has, yo, is is amplified in my mind, which is I feel like now more than even just, let's say, three to four weeks back, we are past the point of town halls and, yo, you know, who can sit with who to talk about what and, yo, what can be the artwork and what can be the phrase and that's like, so maybe... Yo, I know you don't want the PC stuff, and, and this is me really just laying it all out. Let's say that thing that you posted in the D.L. Hughley comment section, I personally think is needed. I personally think we need more of that. We need more of the, like, to me, I read it, and without even hearing the Dorothy, uh, that, that, we call it the Dorothy episode, but without hearing, without hearing your, your 10 to 15 minute kind of breakdown of how that all kind of like blew out, into the stratosphere, right? Without even hearing that, I kind of have my take on it already. And this is without talking to you, without hearing, you know, kind of like, yo, what other people have chimed in on their take on you saying that? And my gut instinct was, yo, this is actually what we need more of. And when I say this, I'm talking about conversations that go beyond just our side. And I hate to even say our side because
0: that's the point,
1: right? Like we're treading this thing where it's like, The more you say are, they're trying to put us together. against each other. I'm sorry. Exactly, exactly. But however, it is also relevant though. Like it is also necessary to convey it as our perspective, right? So I see it. And and that's the trickiest shit right there. But I'm saying like, when I read it, I think I didn't get any, I didn't get a sentiment at all where you're saying that, yo, what's going on to the Asian community? This is our own doing. Like I could see if people wanted to take it and flip it as that, yeah, there's enough for them to do that. What I mean is I didn't read it as that.
0: These pro-Asian pages trying to push like, oh, Ben Baller is saying that the burden is on us, you know, and we're victimizing this. And this. I'm like, bro, where did you get that from? not look. Yeah, I don't... Uh, you yeah, I don't you know being about, PC, you could be straight up, and I want you to lay it out in every single bitch way, right? We've only had six conversations, maybe. I want you to lay it out there, bro, as real Yo, it is. Okay, and I so hope I'll you, say like I, this. I, no, no, listen. I hope you are saying this to completely contrast what I'm saying now in any way from the moment you've heard about me to today this moment right now do you think I'm even one percent not pro-Asian
1: oh no well nah nah well, I mean <laughs> to me quite the contrary yeah I mean, so you know nah. what I'm saying like, like how can yeah. people like so I'm
0: getting, I don't know man like yo you fucking sell out that I'm like bro have you lost <sighs> your fucking mind motherfucker you can't walk the street you like man i will smack the shit out of you bro like yeah look- so
1: ben if i have an opportunity cuz i know that as i'm sharing on your platform here i may be speaking to people that yo for lack of better words they whether they uh, know who i am or don't know who i am rock with me don't rock with me either way i want to make sure i i can throw my perspective out there right so this is this is not even um in conjunction with what you're saying, but Montez, because I never, I, I haven't even really expanded on this on my own platform. Like I posted the hashtag Stop Asian Hate, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I've chimed yeah, yeah. in on my day. But like in this, in this manner, in this, not that I'm ever, you know, operating in a PC mode, but I know what you mean. You're like, Yo, Jen, there's no time for the treading lightly. Just throw it all the way out there, right? So I'm gonna throw it all the way out there. Something that I haven't even really publicly said, but I have no problem saying it on my platform or here or anywhere, but I feel like this is a good moment to say it, is that I do think the Asian community, so that's very broad, right? We know the Asian community encompasses, yo, the whole gamut, right? Which is the thing that we're also trying to get people to see is that the asian community is so diverse yo from the chinese viet cambodian laos mong southeast asian bro, it's huge indians yeah. it's huge it's huge but i think what i'm trying to say is there is a internal audit that also needs to happen right now simultaneously with what we're demanding for and crying out for and looking for you know other communities to join us in this collective fight i'm not saying like so i I don't think that what others are doing, I would never bash it. So maybe that's where me and you kind of see a... And I'm not saying that you're bashing it either. No, I'm not mad like, at you. Ma-
0: Please, keep going.
1: Okay, I'm going to keep going. So for me, if I don't necessarily rock with it, this is just my default mode. Then I don't rock with it. But maybe I'm not as aggressive in going out of my way to say, yo... Y'all might as well dead that shit because that's not doing nothing. <laughs> so that's, that's probably, that's where me and you go left and right. That's right? fine. Like if we're driving that's down That's fine, the road, bro. Right? That's fine. That's fine. But I'm saying though, I'm in a way echoing what you're saying and saying from my own mouthpiece, there is an internal audit that needs to happen. And when I say, what I mean by that is we need to come to reality that within our own community, there's a lot of bias and hatred. Yo, honestly, even amongst ourselves. Like, yo, even like, yo. And this kind of is something that I've... I've, It's crossed my mind and it's, it's been... I've had to deal with it personally. But I think in the recent time and these events, it seems like I'm more aware of it than ever. Is that internally, there, there's this topic of who's more Asian than who and who's not Asian. Who's, you know, like... Oh, my God. So, to me, I think, like, that's something that, you know, we... It's not a one-person thing. This and is I'm, this I'm, where I I'm, get
0: upset, though. Yeah, go for it. They're trying to tell me... <laughs> that I'm saying that we're to blame for being attacked or this not. Like, bro, where did you get that from that comment? Like, where did you get... I'm just saying there's so much history amongst mostly Korean and blacks, and in New York, probably Chinese and blacks, where there's this weird beef and foreign territory and fucking conflict and all kinds of shit. And I'm saying, you think because, let's just say... 50,000 Asians stood up for the BLM movement. Fuck it, be Asian. How about the earth? You know, a lot of, a lot of people stood up for it because it, it had to happen, bro. You're talking about, we didn't have those situations or those discriminations against us like they did. You know what I mean? So like, that's one oh, yeah. thing. Yeah,
1: I got that point too. I, I, when I was listening to your yeah, intro, I heard what I'm that saying, too.
0: i but for me to say like, if you don't see, because you have to, because the youngins don't see it. It's usually the people under 30 that don't see it. If you over 30, and some page was like, maybe in your house, yeah, practice, you know, racism starts at home. Yeah, you should talk about your house cuz my shut the fuck up. Bro, if you even if you 27 dog, I'll I'll put it out there right now. Your dad and their motherfucker's dad, I'm gonna tell you right now, bro. If you don't it, it sounds fucked up in generalist it it it's the truth though. I'm telling you, it's a lot of that shit going on, man. It, it it's just fucked up. So for people to think that I was blaming these elderly people for getting attacked, man, they fucking crazy, bro. In fact... Yeah,
1: that's that's a rich... You know uh, what, I mean, man? I, mean, I don't want to say that. Could,
0: could you tell the BTB army, what was I trying to do? And we're still trying to make it happen. What was I trying to do for the last four weeks?
1: Oh, yo. So, I mean, I don't, I don't mean... Just I, say don't fuck it, Who I, cares? Let's get, let's oh, get uh, up there. Oh, yeah. I reached out to Ben because I was working on... um from, from me, right? So, as Jen, I'm always thinking, like, yo, what can I do with my platform? So... It's it's ironic because as I try to encourage people, like young people, old people, whatever, like, yo, it is a time where if you have a platform, and that term platform is so abstract too, right? But I'm like, yo, use it, damn it, right? Because there are people out there that feel like, why should I even say anything, right? Yo, I only have but 13 people that I follow or my Facebook, you know, I'm only connected with nine people. But the point is, yo, you don't know what impact or influence you might have out of those nine people. Even if you shift the perspective of one person, Great, you know, but I have to remind myself that, too, because, you know, as I'm navigating through, you know, my both personal life and my career life, there is a sense of like, yo, Jin, you have been blessed, regardless of if you acknowledge or not. You have a voice that even if it doesn't completely shift the scales, you can speak to even if it's a very selective group of people. Right. So for me, I was like, yo, I don't want to do a song just because. Hey, yo, Jin, you should do a song. Does that make sense? Because I got those in my DMs. I get it. And, I get it. and just comments, right? Yo, Jin, man, you, you know, you, we've heard you rap about these matters in the past. You know what I mean? Like, I remember, these just random references, but like, yo, when uh, Hot 97, this is like, yo, 15 years ago, they had that one song, uh, like, that was like a parody of We Are The World, but they were like basically making fun of the tsunami victims, and it was like, you know, they're drowning. I don't even want to say, but like, so they did that. And it caused a quote unquote uproar, but an uproar for who? Just, you know, kind of with this online Asian community, right? Like the Zanga community. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. The Zanga Shit. Asian ad community. So yeah. this wasn't hitting no radars. Like you didn't hear on the news that there was any type of, we're bo- this is kind of pre-cancel culture, which is kind of interesting. But I was listening and I'm like, Yo, I rock with Hot 97, which is kind of what's killing me. You know what I mean? Truth be told, they weren't necessarily playing my joints all up and down the station. But even without that, I was like, yo, Hot 97 is still revered. So what really frustrated me was like, why would they even let that fly? And I'm just like, yo, effort. it. And I wrote like a diss song. So not a Hot 97 diss song per se, but a diss song to the crew that wrote that song and released that song. I put it out. And when I say put it out, I don't mean like, yo, I you know, uh, uh, got a distributor. I just uploaded it to YouTube. But yo, it it got traction. It traction enough to where I'm doing an interview on, you know, Channel 7 News, New York. And they're like, yeah, so why did you write this? And what would you hope for? My point is, in this time, as people were like, yo, Jen, yo, like, yo, you should say something, you know, if you write a song or share your thoughts. But I was just always like, it has to come from a very authentic place. So anyhow, when that thought did come, I hit you up. I hit up Ben. Specifically because I was like, yo, there should be a component to this outside of just myself. Ideally, if it is, you know, the alternate perspective. And it's not just an Asian dude rapping about, yo, what's going on in the Asian community, right? So Ben right away was like, Yo, say no more, you know? Like, yo, say no more. (laughs) He was actually pretty damn straightforward about it. Kind of caught me off guard. You were like, just say You was like, just send that damn thing. Stop talking, Jim. Stop talking. Just send it to me. And then, yo, you was like, okay, we'll make a list. Yo, the top five. Yo, who's your ideal guys? Who would make sense? And we'll work our way from there. And, yo, and then it became like this two, three day of just brainstorming who, how, when. And we put it in the works. And and I'm going to tell you now, I told you off the mic, too. Yo, man, I think you went above and beyond to try to make it happen. And, yo, even though who we had in mind and sent it out to, it didn't unfold. No, listen, the, Wale
0: is my boy, and I'll yo, talk about it to, here. Yeah. But the thing, yeah. what, I'm, what I'm getting at is, if I didn't give a fuck, yeah, I would have never fucking took your call. I would have never called Wale. I would have never texted him. I would have never did it. So it's like, these are before any of this shit, the conversation, thing. It's a fucking Chinese fucking family. And then some people are like, what do you expect the people to do in the the restaurant? Were they supposed to just let it go or whatever else? It's like, look, man, there's L's that you take in business. There's times you'd be like, all right, man, guess what? This motherfucker just dropped 20 napkins. They they hit all the fucking soy sauce. Them napkins is a wrap. Boom, here it is. We need to come out now. Boom. It's like, dog, I understand the principle. Yeah. At that point, you make an executive decision to call the police. And the police are even looking at you like, yo, we got real crimes going on out here. You tripping on a dessert when this person is feeling sick? Just saying... What I'm doing is, is like, look, man, y'all got me fucked up. But more importantly, I wanted to, just to, I think the 10, 15 that we spent on that was, was so powerful. Don't need to get into it anymore, really. Um, what I would like to ask you last is what is the finish line? Like, where is that finish line to the marathon that you're running in Jen's world?
1: That's fire. Shit, you always end like this, yo? I've never made it to the end of your podcast before. <laughs> <laughs> that, shit, that shit caught me off guard. Um, my finish line, man. Uh, I, would say I, wanna, I, was, I was about to give you one of those real poetic, abstract <laughs> type joints. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you shit, that. Bro. I'll give you that, but I'll give you the alternative too. I'll give you the tangible one. Yo, my poetic one is I would like to think that, yo, m- m- I, I never arrive at a finish line. I don't know how many years I have on this earth, man, but I look at like this X kind of the late, you know, what happened with X and what what does it mean, his passing? So beyond just his life, but also his passing, what does it mean, his transition? And yo, I'm definitely walking away from it. Like the way we can impact lives is more powerful than we think. And, and maybe not in the sense of like, yo, am I aiming to be like X and touch millions and millions? No, interestingly enough, it made me see that there's people within close proximity that I could probably touch even more powerful in a more impactful way. So, so it's not necessarily like, yo, I got to reach a million souls and really rock them. But maybe it's like, if I could hone in to a hundred, but really, really shift and impact these hundred, that might be my calling. So in that sense of like my music, you know, my, my social media and how I engage with people, you know? So that's kind of my finish line is to continuously be in that mindset. But to give you a more just superficial one, yo, I mean, for me, um, I feel like I've seen the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows in terms of my career. Like, you know, me literally coming out of nowhere, signing a super high profile record deal uh, and, you know, go, 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 yo, riding that wave into being in a blockbuster. Yo, my first acting gig was a Fast and the Furious movie, right? So just in that sense, feeling like I've seen the highest of the highs, but as well as the lowest of the lows, you know, going from that to, yo, you know, one of the albums that I dropped, Post Rough Rider era was I was really riding my my MySpace page heavy right. Yo, this is when everyone was like yo, because MySpace was the equivalent of Instagram, YouTube, and uh, Twitter all combined as one. So I rode my MySpace heavy and and at one point I was like yo forget even distribution, I'll go to the studio, book hours, record my album, and I posted bulletins like, yo, this is Jin, you know, ex-Rough Rider, you know, Freestyle Friday Jin. I got this album. If you want it, just PayPal me $10 and I'll mail it to you, which is actually the method that a lot of people are using now is my point. But I'm just saying to see both sides of that coin, I feel like right now I'm in a very, yo, ideal place, which is kind of the middle ground. So I'll be the first one to tell you, I know how popping I am or am not is the point. And to me, there's a, there's a gem and there's a, a beauty in being very astute, astutely aware of that, you know? And, and I'm at peace with it, you know? If more doors open and I can continue to push further with my music and my acting career, then so be it. And I'm going to strive for it. However, if, if my chips are where they are right now,
0: yo, I'm, I'm also quite pleased with that, you know? That's my finish line shit, bro. I mean, that's as honest as it gets. You know what I'm saying? That's as thorough as it gets. Indeed,
1: indeed, man. Yo, yo, man, I got to be honest. So I'll throw one more thing out there. Prior to actually connecting with you, I think you're one of those individuals that it's easy to just kind of look at from afar or observe. And I'm sure you've encountered this. I feel like to a certain degree, I've encountered it too. But people might be like, yo, I know that dude, man. I know who he is. I know how he is. I know what he is. I know, you know what I mean? And obviously when we look at like social media and the internet, we're only seeing what that particular individual is allowing us to see, correct? But I'm saying, like, for you, man, I gotta say, prior to to connecting with you, I had a certain perception of you. (laughs) And and was it and was it like like super, super negative? Like, nah. But it was just definitely like, yo, this dude seems like he's just super full of himself and you know, and and you know, like, yo, just like look at everything that I've accomplished and what I've done and what I've Amassed, right? And this is my point that I want to make. I still feel that you're that way. However, I feel that you're much more than that, and I also feel like I admire, I admire how, how fully you you are, because I think that's actually what I'm trying to. <laughs> no, thank that's you, something bro. I'm trying to aspire for. No I appreciate it just it. Be, just to be more of who I really am. If you know that what, you makes know sense? What's funny though?' Is, is nothing
0: yeah. to too is that there's been several decades of this grind that's been going on, right? On my marathon, right? And where we are with it today, you said one specific thing. It's what people, you're allowing people to see. Yeah. I'm doing everything I can to hide a lot of my quote unquote tangible wealth, if that makes any Mm -hmm. sense to you, right? The Mm -hmm. currency, Mm -hmm. the whatever, bro you're not seeing me post any of my joy that I wear. You know what I mean? Like I'm not like doing, I really try not to look how many posts I have on my page. I don't have many posts anymore. I don't do, I'm over it, bro. If that makes any sense. So think about it as much as people are like, Oh damn, this dude talk about his accolades a lot. I'm like imagine about the ones I don't talk about though, unless you listen, listen to the podcast. So imagine now, like if I'm trying to hide, you know, the money, cause I feel I've said this, you're just tuning in recently, but you know, this year, especially I said, look, I'm almost embarrassed of my success. I don't mean I'm embarrassed because of where I got. I'm just I'm embarrassed because when you win by a lot, and there's still people obviously, you know, they're, they're way better off than me, but there's way so many more that aren't at where I'm at. And that dick measuring contest is a fucked up way of thinking, right? Me, the biggest asshole in the world, is telling you that the likes don't matter, that shit, the subscriptions. My son... My six-year-old son's like, "Hey, man, this guy has a million, you know, subscribers." Boom. I'm like, "Fuck, man. You know, I really don't want him to think that way." You know, and it's just again, I'm partially to blame, I'm sure. But what I'm getting at is to redirect everything. If people think I'm a, um, a narcissist and certain things, and it doesn't have to be because I don't really post much of pictures of myself. But like, look at the end of the day, understand this for motivational purposes only. I want the Asian people there who have never been in jewelry, never been in music, never been in cars, never been in uh, entrepreneurship. Look at me and just know that a motherfucker that worked at Burger King for 3.85 an hour is doing certain things now, many years later. And the goal is y'all want to get rich today, yesterday, tomorrow. I'm telling y'all, how about if you just get rich, period, in your life, bro? That's a pretty big deal, cause you know there, everyone has a different finish line, right? You know, and I'm just saying, like you guys are running sprints and then you out of gas, and then what happens now when you're 30, 40, 50, you ain't got nothing left there, boom. So I'm just letting people know, and again, I didn't take anything you said offensive at all, bro. I appreciate you coming honest with it. I'm just saying in general, yeah, my wife would know because there's not much I could hide from her. You know, we live together. I'm saying she's like, It's fucking crazy, man, that you could post a different car, you know, every single day of the week. Boom. You could do certain things, and I just don't because I feel like, look, man. At a certain point, one of my boys said this. Who's very successful? He's like, but I think people already assume that you have it, and I'm seeing, nah, dude. There's a lot of motherfuckers I really don't think I do though. And he's like, man, fuck them. I'm like, you're right, man. You know what? You're right. So look, again, bro. Appreciate it. Appreciate your insight. Appreciate your whole perspective, bro. Really, honestly, it, it means a lot because, you know, if you do see that there is a lot, I'm complex. I'm also so motherfucking simple if I need to be, you know. And it's just- yo, that's
1: fire. You you might have a rap career waiting to unfold. <laughs> that, yo, that would have been a bar right there. Yo, Jeez. that's hard.
0: Jen, yeah, yo. thank you for coming on the show for real, bro. No, I really much, appreciate you. You know you, what bro. I
1: love though? I'm carrying it with me too, man. I is, is this on a shirt or is it not on a shirt? This ain't your practice life. I rock with that, yo. Yeah, no, that's it's, hard. it's It's
0: my monikers. I mean, it's it's my it's my motto. It's on you know mouse pads, all merch and everything I got on post. I'm gonna send you some stuff for sure.
1: No doubt, man. Hey, yo.
0: It's appreciate you, man Thank no. you for having me, back. Come on, Jen Thank you so much Yo, Miles, man Cue up some Lakey Lake, man And we gonna wrap this shit up All right, guys Again, man Apologize um, My talking on this was, was short uh, I don't feel so good I really do feel like shit And uh, about to get into this oral surgery situation So, um Much love, and I'll see you guys back on Thursday. I will be in New York City when that episode drops. And uh, I just appreciate you guys rocking me. You know that already, man. So tell your friends to tell their friends about this podcast, and make sure you subscribe. We are available anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, y'all, that is it. The Korean Liam Neeson is out of here. Now it's up for the champion, Jen. You ready? Bobby, drop the beat, baby. Yo. Reggae artists, and I ain't hating on you. Stop lying, Miss clear is more Jamaican than you. I'm nice with it when I'm freein'. Who you think you bein'? My pants are new, my sweater is new. Don't be mad at Chinese kids dressed better than you.
1: Man, I'm freestyling now, it's a wrap. Matter of fact, you should ask Clef how to make your flow tighter. G's to be a ghostwriter. I'm nice when I'm freeing. You ain't beating me. Matter of fact, I be at the face and you ain't eating me. Don't make me start rapping in Chinese on the microphone. Like final okay that means take your sorry butt home.
0: Alright, alright.